Welcome to the Pain Solutions Podcast. Dr. Wayne Fimister is a family physician with a special interest in chronic pain, whose passion is finding solutions for this epidemic problem facing one-third of the adult population. He is a clinical associate professor at the University of British Columbia in Canada and has developed one of the first online medical trigger point injection courses for doctors and nurse practitioners, a technique that is easily learned and implemented into the medical office of any doctor or nurse practitioner treating chronic pain. To get free access to Pain Solutions newsletter, blogs, and to register for his online course, simply register at www.waynefimister.com. On the podcast, Dr. Wayne brings together experts from various segments to share with you how they solve people's pain problems and how you can get this treatment too. And now, here's your host, Dr. Wayne Fimister. Well, hello and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining me today. My very special guest is Ross Nikichi. He is certified as both an, an accelerated evolution coach and as an Arakaya multidimensional healer. He's also a teacher of the Arakaya yoga and mindfulness and also the community builder and communications director of Arakaya Awareness Center. Thank you so much, Ross, for joining me. Thank you for having me, Wayne. It's great to be here. Okay, so we're going to go back in time. Just give us a little bit of information about yourself, get to know you. So where did you grow up? I grew up in Nanaimo, BC on Vancouver Island. Very fortunate to grow up in such a beautiful place. And what was your childhood like there on the island? My childhood was uh, pretty idyllic, actually. I was a lucky kid. My father was a lawyer. My mom was a school teacher. We grew up on the hillside up, up, up above Piper's Lagoon looking over the ocean and um, the mountainside behind us was all forest so I spent my days with my brother and my dog playing in the woods and you know pretending I was a wizard and talking to animals and you know playing in the tree fort and riding bikes and um, yeah so very much connected to nature and very loved and cared for by my parents it was a, a very nice upbringing. Beautiful. That's, that's lovely. So, and then um, life took you on a journey. Uh, mm-hmm. You went to college and then you found yourself being this evolution coach and a, a multi-dimensional healer. Just give us a little bit of information on that journey. Okay, so um, it basically starts with childhood. Uh, my mother got cancer when I was about six years old. So that took her on a journey of healing and making big changes in her life as that sort of life event often does for people from what I've seen. So I was exposed from a young age to having healers and meditation teachers in our house and seeing my mom make all these changes in her life. She started trying to incorporate some vegetarian food into our life. She started doing this meditation and healing work herself and things changed a lot so that that sort of planted the seeds for me as I see it and and as a child I would often go off into the woods as I was saying alone and I would meditate and I didn't call it that as a kid but I would kind of lie back in the moss and go inside and just go into this space of empty kind of awareness without you know putting any label on it it was just a beautiful experience so Fast forward, you know, you become a teenager and you get into all that sort of stuff and you forget about this uh, this inner world and it's all about 
proving yourself in the world and fitting in and all these things happen. And then when I was about, let's see, uh, 22, I was going to BCIT studying marketing and entrepreneurship in Burnaby. And I was suffering. I just basically was having a hard time sleeping. My mind was racing all the time. I was getting sick more than I should have, you know, just high stress life. Like so many people in our culture is too much going on. And, um, I, I just knew it was crazy. I, I, my tolerance for that kind of suffering wasn't high, I guess. So it didn't take long for me to start trying to figure out what was, what was off. I started reading some books by the Dalai Lama about practicing meditation and breathing and practicing smiling. And that was the, the start of it. And then my girlfriend and I in 2009 traveled to Southeast Asia and we kind of hit a point of real high conflict. And I started, you know, checking in on that too. Again, I'd hit this point of suffering where I needed to break through in another way. And, um, we stopped and we went and stayed at this little place called the sanctuary on an Island called Koh Lanta in Thailand. And I started reading the book. My mom had put it in my backpack before I left. It's called a new earth by Eckhart Tolle. And, uh, he was speaking about the cause of suffering being our complete identification with our mind, thinking that our thoughts are real. Our thoughts are who we are. And it just, the light just really went on for me in a very real way. I started stepping back from my thought processes and I lost about in a, in a two month period after that, I lost about 40 pounds. I shed all kinds of mental weight, emotional weight and physical weight. And when we came back from that trip, people hardly recognized me. Um, and then from then on, I, I, all I could do was, was practice, practice yoga and meditation. And it just my life became about that. And many events since then, but that was really the biggest turning point. I would say after that, there was no looking back. I knew that um, that was the foundation for my life. So obviously, uh, you know, from the time of your mom having cancer as a young boy, and obviously she survived, you grew up, and she basically healed from the inside. I'm sure with lots of different uh, approaches and modalities. And here you are in your mid-20s, um, off in a different path yourself to the healing world. Um, so you must have trained to become a teacher, to become a, a coach. So yeah. how, um, how has that worked out for you here in Vancouver? Okay, so um, first I met a man named Satyan Raja who has an organization called Warrior Sage and runs the Accelerated Evolution Academy, trains um, coaches in this modality called Accelerated Evolution. I met him at the beach um, one day and we just connected right away. We became friends and eventually I, uh, he became a mentor and a teacher for me. So that Accelerated Evolution training was huge for me. It's a, it's a set of processes that you guide a client through that helps them to quickly identify emotional charges and upsets and move through them very quickly using a combination or a distillation of Eastern esoteric meditative techniques, as well as more modern Western therapeutic approaches. And uh, Satyan uh, really took me under his wing and 
um, helped me to integrate all these spiritual experiences I had had and to more embrace a worldly life and to, and to offer something to people, uh, to help people. Um, about a year after I met him, I met my, who, what I would call my, my core teacher, who's still my teacher, and that's Yogacharini Maitre, who comes from South India. And um, through uh, many synchronicities, we met each other, and she was looking for someone to help sort of oversee and manage her organization, Arkaya Awareness Center. Um, and she suggested if I wanted to work with her that I should also take her program. So I had been practicing yoga for many years, but I didn't have a, a real teacher. And she comes from the ancient yogic lineage of India, these unbroken guru lineages. So all of a sudden I found myself in that world. And she also trained me to, to do what we call multidimensional healing. Um, which is a working with body, emotions, and mind to remove um, old traumas and blockages from the system and from the cellular level um, and to help people align with their highest potential. So you've been working as a, you know, accelerated coach now for a few years. You've been doing this multidimensional healing. What kind of people are being drawn to your services and you're able to help them? I get quite a range of people that are drawn to my services. And I think that's because what I offer, the, the tools that I've been given to use uh, have so many different applications. It could be any, anybody from an entrepreneur who's looking to hone their vision and purpose a little bit more and align their leadership skills more with their values. Or it could be someone who's suffering from chronic pain or chronic illness who's who's seeking to relieve some of that physical pain as well as the emotional pain that's associated with it. So I get, I get quite a range. I also work with some youth and one, one person in particular I've been working with for a long time, a 14 year old boy who's uh, been diagnosed with schizophrenia and autism and, and that sort of thing. So quite a wide range. So say a patient has got uh, chronic pain and they're looking to go more into the sort of spiritual or esoteric approaches for healing, you know, very much outside the, the normal um, type of practices that you would see in a medical establishment. So what, take us through sort of the, first ex, the first meeting with you and what would they experience? They would first experiencing me say, I make no promises about curing or healing your chronic illness that there's, there's an element to that that um, is not controllable. And um, one of the aspects I find in, that, in the healing work, which is a full spectrum approach to healing, uh, and from an esoteric or a spiritual perspective, healing is emotional healing and coming into a state of rest and ease in yourself, a state of wholeness. And these are all words that are pointers to a direct experience. So it's the intellectual uh, verbal pointers don't do justice, but we'll call it a state of wholeness, of contentment and wholeness. So that is really the goal. And whether you heal the illness or not is, is, uh, is a mystery. It's, 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 very, it's a razor's edge. You don't know if it's going to happen or not. Some people could die and sometimes uh, 
um, the healing comes in them accepting that it's out of their control. And often what I see with someone with chronic illness is letting go of control might be the biggest challenge because the biggest question in their mind is, what can I do to fix this? How can I fix myself? What have I done wrong to get here? And often there's no answer to that. So that's the first place that we start. And But what I do offer is that I can help you to process your emotions and to go deeper within yourself to discover where you need to heal, where you're blocked. And usually with a chronic illness, there is an association emotionally, mentally, and on a, uh, an energetic level with that. So there is some mental emotional patterning that will be associated with the chronic illness. So we'll look at that and try, begin to remove those blockages through the multidimensional energetic healing where I'm, I'm using what's called the pranic um, or life force energy, moving it through my system, through my hands and re removing those blockages. Okay, so and do you have any tools that you would use in order to assist you in this of assessing of what's actually going on in the patient's energetic body? Yes. So the first thing I would do is I would get them to lie down on the, the massage table, very nice, comfortable massage table with a blanket and feel cozy and at ease and instruct them to close their eyes. And I'll check their chakras, their energy centers. Their, uh, and what I use is a pendulum. So I, my hands, because of practice, my hands are sensitized to the pranic energy. You can feel it, but it's very much helpful to use a pendulum. So you hang the pendulum over the chakra. And if the chakra spins in a clockwise direction, that means it's open and it's moving healthily. If it spins counterclockwise, that means the chakra is closed and the energy isn't moving well. And if it's moving in an erratic way, that means, okay, this center, they're holding some kind of a, a trauma there um, or pain. And usually in my hands, I'll feel a, a prickly or a, a, a sharp pain or something like that. And you can feel there's something held there. So that, that's one of the tools. And I would also use that to check their organs, their liver, pancreas, spleen, adrenal glands, kidneys, their digestion all these kinds of things and, and determine if their organs are functioning well or not. So it's a very interesting principle you brought up, how the chakras, the energy centers in the body, and I know there's seven main ones, but there can be more. It's actually connected to the endocrine system. True. Um, I see it a little bit like acupuncture. I've practiced acupuncture for a number of years and how the meridians are passing through the body and they're interconnected to all the organs and um, it's an interconnected system. So it's, it's fascinating just to hear somebody um, mention you can actually um, pick up changes through this movement of a pendulum clockwise or anti-clockwise dependent, which actually can tell you from a, the innermost part of our being about um, the function. And that's how you, I guess, you would see healing because the pendulum would change in direction as the energy comes through the body um, through your hands through the pendulum and you just know how it's how it's going as it were yes it's fascinating to just see that um in my mind i guess the the interconnection of these systems because you know in medicine we are we we do need our tools to measure things and it's not a subjective thing we like objective measurements so 
um, it's fantastic that you've you actually used something to, to help that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it is interesting to know if I can just comment. Um, I think there, one thing that needs to be noted is that the Western approach is, is so valuable. And so, so often I think there's a disconnect where someone coming from the esoteric or quote unquote spiritual or, or alternative approach is, is condemning the Western medicine and the Western medicine is condemning the esoteric or spiritual or alternative approach. Um, but they both have so much value and it's important for us to recognize where that value lies and how they can work together in harmony for the benefit of, of everybody's health and healing. And that's what I love about what you're doing, Wayne. So thanks for that. Ah, you're welcome. Yeah. I certainly see myself um, bridging the world of, you know, medicine as a medical doctor and then also, you know, moving into acupuncture and my technique now of trigger point injections, which essentially is releasing tightness in the body um, that is found with chronic pain. But also, I've, amazingly, I find patients' experiences that things shift. You know, it's almost so an energy is released as they get treatment. And it's just based on people's experiences, like they, their emotions change, um, their thinking changes, sometimes social circumstances change where they can like maybe leave an abusive relationship, for example, that they wanted to do for years, but they could not. Now yes. they've got the, the ability to do that. So I do some, I do find myself in a bridging situation, which is fascinating um, on this journey of just helping as many people as possible with chronic pain. Beautiful. So let's just move on to maybe a patient that, um, that you've treated recently. You know, mm -hmm. we don't need to know his or her name or anything like that, but just, Take us through the, the results that happened um, and the sort of maybe transformation that happened in their life based on your great work. Okay. Um, let, me just, let me just see who, who the good example would be here. I think a nice example for this situation is this 14-year-old uh, boy who I've been working with. And actually, he's been working with my teacher as well, who's... Uh, I would say a far more skilled and advanced healer than I am, but I, I've been working with him as well. So it's been, we've been working in tandem and he's been diagnosed with everything under the sun. I don't, I don't even know everything that the, the um, Western doctors and the psychotherapists have diagnosed him with, but in essence, it's an extreme case of um, mental health challenge schizophrenia, autism, ADHD, they've, they've labeled him all of these things since he was young. And his parents were flabbergasted. He'd, he'd been, he tried every experimental drug. He's still on so many drugs to the point where it's hard to even tell what symptoms are caused by his condition and what are caused by the medications that he's on. That line is completely blurred. He's to the point where his parents couldn't have him living in the house. He's, he was pr prone to violent outbreaks um, to the extent of even picking up a knife sometimes and threatening his mother. Um, had no concept of other people's feelings, no empathy, no boundaries. Um, had to go and live in a, in a care home because it was just way too much for his parents to handle. He needed full-time professional support. And he's a really big guy. At 14, he's probably six foot two and over 200 pounds. 
So he's a, he's a really big kid. So it's not easy to handle someone like that. Um, so the, the Western medical system was falling short on this one. Um, all they were really able to do is subdue him or numb him out using medication so that he would calm down, but it wasn't getting to the root issue. Um, and his mom was a regular at one of my yoga classes that I teach. And on an intuition, one day she came and asked me if I had any ideas for how to help. And she was really upset, you know, understandably, she was at the end of her rope. And she, they were willing to try anything, even, even yogic healing, you know, as far-fetched as that seems to so many people's minds. And so I, I suggested that she go and meet with my teacher because uh, my tray is, is much more advanced than I am. And I thought, this, is, this sounds like a really serious case. So I, I think that that's probably the right call. So he started working with her to begin with. And um, since then, I've started working with him as well, two days a week. So it's really intensive. He's at the, she worked with him doing the same kind of work that I do. And there was huge improvements over the first two months. Like his parents couldn't believe it. His psychologist could not believe it. Um, they were blown away. And they, they were almost like superstitiously thinking, this is too good to be true. Um, this can't last. Um, but they kept going with it. And he's to the point now where he and I can actually, this is someone who w would walk into a room and immediately go and find something and start taking it apart. He couldn't get his attention. You'd be calling his name. He'd be in his own world. And if you did anything to set him off, he'd be very threatening. Now it's to the point where he and I can sit for an hour and practice yoga where I guide him through a yoga practice. His breathing is deep and full. His presence in the room is there. He can focus and have a conversation with me. His body awareness, he's actually in his body. I've seen him drop into his body. Like when we started, he didn't even, he had zero body awareness. His, his um, coordination and capacity to identify what body part he was supposed to be moving at what time and coordinating that with his breath was not there. So you can just see him um, dropping into his body. And he, he's, his centers have all opened. He's all of a sudden, he's compassionate and kind. And he's got this self-awareness where he, he does slip still. He still goes into these old patterns. But he almost, almost immediately catches himself and self-corrects and says, oh, I'm sorry about that. I'm acting crazy again. I don't know what's going on. And He'll actually identify what he did wrong and apologize for it. And this is huge improvement in eight months uh, of doing this work. So that's a really extreme case where he's, he's able to come home more and spend more time with his family. They were able to take him away on a vacation to visit family, friends on a road trip, which they wouldn't have been able to do uh, eight months ago. So it's everybody in the family has benefited from this. And it's really um, heartening to see. What a beautiful story. You know, amazing that um, there, are, there are solutions and, that, and strategies for extreme cases. And this is very much an extreme case. I'm sure our audience listening today um, are not going through this experience. And maybe they know of people with autism or with severe behavioral problems. But it, um, 
it's just wonderful that you are, you know, moving into the, the depths of a person and and able to change their their mind, able to help them change their mind, ground themselves into this amazing intelligence called the human body that I think we're only just tapping into as as potential areas for healing and for recovery from diseases and, and pain being one of them. So, you know, one thing that came up from that description was the root cause. You know, so many patients are asking me, well, what's the cause? What's the cause of the pain? Mm-hmm. And um, as you said, it, often we don't know, you know, and, and one thing that I've realized it's from my reading and understanding of the mind-body connection, it is often a distant, you know, way in the past, maybe even the childhood experience or experiences, a collective of experiences that come together and basically start shaping our body and start shaping um, the cellular structure of, mm. of our um, being. And then, and then over time, it just changes the, the limbic system and the brain, which then go, goes on and changes the autonomic nervous system, that involuntary part which controls our organs like a heartbeat, like a breathing, like a temperature, and also the, the, the nervous system to the to the, the arms and the legs and the, the limbs where we often we experience pain and also in the, the neck and the back. Mm. And that interconnectedness, you know, um, is working all the time, you know, yeah. all the time. You know, the new study of epigenetics, which has come out in the last 10, 20 years, which has discovered how our thoughts and our emotions literally create neuropeptides in the body. And there's actually chemicals that are flying around in the blood, taken up by our cells, changing the cells in the expression of our DNA, and and thus the this inter this environment that we're always around, always absorbing from the child from childhood up, is literally changing who we are as people, yeah. and this is amazing and, and empowering because we're not victims. You know, we are we are the you know the the, the masters of our own fate if we have people to help us understand this and also to guide us through this journey of recovery from diseases and pain so um thank you for sharing that because i think it's very profound and i'm sure audience will be thinking wow if that's possible for them or this 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 uh, young young man then there's possible solutions for for me with pain with other things absolutely so you you want yes sorry continue I, I was just going to say one thing that it's important for people to understand that is that nothing operates in a vacuum. Our body and our mind and our emotions are all interconnected and influencing each other. So it's hard to determine which came first often, but, and everything in your life situation influences. So if you're suffering from chronic pain, it's not necessarily just because there's pain there. It could be something to do with a relationship. It could be something to do with a negative work environment. It could be something to do with the food that you're eating. It could be something to do with old emotional trauma that you didn't even realize was there. I think that's like a, something that really needs to sink in for a lot of people is it, it's often, um, it's a non-linear understanding of where these things come from. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, everything's interconnected, mm-hmm. and, and we need to look at the whole in order to, to heal and to recover from pain. 
you mentioned um, yoga and you know that's uh, a term that many of us are aware of you know it's related to exercise to breathing to postures mm. um, can you just share a little bit about um, your practice of yoga your teaching of yoga and how that helps people okay sure so I, I, I've been lucky enough to learn um, from the, the classical Indian yogic tradition. That's where my teacher comes from. But I started yoga with for coming from just a Western physical approach to yoga, which is very much uh, really focusing on the, the physical body and a physical fitness sort of approach. Um, and that's what, uh, in general, that's what most of the yoga is that we encounter in studios in North America and the Western world, but, and that's great. And that's great because it opens the doorway for so many people, but yoga is so much more than that. It's a profound, um, life science, a holistic full spectrum life science, addressing body emotions and mind and leading us to realizing our highest potential. So we, um, heal and integrate the personal dimensions, the body emotions and mind. And we, then we aim to align those dimensions with the transpersonal or cosmic principles, what they call the Vijnana Maya Kosha or the great wisdom field, as well as the Ananda Maya Kosha, which is the, the field of bliss, to experience bliss and union with the, with the cosmic consciousness. So this is the approach I'm coming from, but we start very simply. We start with body awareness. We start with awareness of our breath. We start with observing our thoughts and uh, observing our emotions as they come and go. And um, it's a very, very simple, very gentle practice where we're focusing on grounding ourselves and building our capacity for self-awareness through the practices. So a true yoga practice should incorporate this um, comprehensive or full spectrum awareness of body, emotions, and mind and should be led by the breath. And the yogic paradigm, one thing to understand is the yogic paradigm is different from the fitness paradigm in, in that fitness is about pushing and no pain, no gain. And yoga is about awareness. And through the awareness and gently, mindfully opening our body's comfort zone, we still get a nice healthy body. We get a nice physique. But we also cultivate something much deeper than that. And we get into these meditative states through the practices and there's there's much more beyond just the physical practices there's chanting kirtan singing there's pranayama or the expansion of life force through breath uh, and and many many more inner yogas and inner practices as you move along the path so i'm i'm very much a beginner in that sense i'm I, i'm no i'm no uh no advanced teacher or practitioner, but part of the path seems to be sharing what I've learned with others. Beautiful um, description of you know a life science, as you said, and this start is all about awareness. It's it's interesting you say this because what I find in my own practice, as I um, treat treat on a physical level chronic pain, but I just start this process that you're mentioning of awareness. You know whether it be the posture, something that we can all do by just you know sitting up, 
straight in our in our chair or when we walk to just bring our shoulders back if pain doesn't prevent it you know and then moving on to our awareness of our thoughts just to stop and think well why did i say that right now or why why is this a negative statement and just moving from a negative to more of a neutral statement about about life or about their pain um is another thing that i get people to to start on a journey that is an absolute journey starting where they are right now and everybody can start at mm -hmm. where they are and yeah. start to see changes and we now know the biochemistry literally changes inside of them yes you know which is very reassuring um, and we can we're tying in the science the up-to-date science that actually is is a healing practice you know so amazing just to, when you're mentioning all these different awarenesses yeah. it's like yeah. wow this is yeah. excellent um, yes i'm on this yoga practice almost in my practice but it, i didn't even you know think about <laughs> yeah that's, yeah um, it's beautiful to see that that's amazing it, it is the ancient rishis are the the founders of yoga many thousands of years ago discuss they basically were so sensitive that they were able to tune in and discover the the truths about existence and life and how it affects the individual and so the the system is so wide and deep that it's they've they've seemed to have covered almost everything if you get into this these traditions and and all the knowledge that's contained there and the beautiful thing to see is like you're describing that through any avenue if you start looking deeper you've come from from western medicine and you've taken it deeper and you start coming to these same truths through your own experience and and study by just taking it a one step deeper and going further with it so it's awesome to see that let's talk about mindfulness you know this is a subject matter that um i introduced to my my students and my my doctor and colleagues who are taking an interest in the the courses that i run but it's very basic, minimal level of just being aware of your thoughts, you know, back to awareness again. Yeah. So just take us through maybe uh, um, something our audience could be doing right now to, to start this process of mindfulness and how that could be a helpful thing for, say, pain and their experience. Okay, sure. Well, maybe we can just do a very brief little guided thing. Is that okay? Is it? Let's, let's do it. Okay. So anybody who's listening, I'll, I'll guide you through it, Wayne, and then this, anybody who's listening can join us. So you can just go ahead and start by closing your eyes. We close our eyes to bring our attention inward. So often our attention is directed outward, and that's fine. But to just tune in. So the first thing we're going to do is close our eyes and bring our attention to our breathing. So I'll direct you to notice as the wind of your breath moves in through your nose. Feel it moving down the windpipe and notice as it fills up your lungs. So this is the foundation of mindfulness. It's mindfulness or awareness of your breath. So you're just noticing, you're just being aware of the breath, hearing it, feeling it, witnessing it. And I'll get you to breathe out through your mouth using slightly pursed lips. So it makes a little sound like this. So breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth. Perfect. 
Then I'll just direct you to feel if you're sitting down, feel your bum in your seat. This is the Muladhara chakra, the root or your connection to the earth element. So when you're connected to your tailbone, the anus and the perineum, that's associated with, that's the physical association with the root chakra. You're rooted in yourself, you're grounded, you're stable, and this stability is really important. So just feel your bum in the seat. And you can also feel your feet on the earth, feel your feet stable, rooted to the earth. Then I'll direct you to feel your hands. And the whole time we're just allowing our breath to continue moving in and out at its own natural rhythm. If you find your mind wandering, come back to your breath and then bring the attention back into your hands. And then bring your attention now up to the crown of your head. Feel the crown of your head, the very top of your head. See if you can feel your root or your base, your bum in your seat and the crown of your head at the same time. So you're feeling the whole spinal column from the base all the way to the crown. Your central nervous system runs through this space. And feel your heart center. Feel the inside of the center of your chest, that place where the root and the crown meet, earth and sky meet right there in the center of your chest. And just keep breathing in and out at a nice, deep, natural rhythm. And then just gently rub your palms of your hands together, create a little bit of friction or prana in your hands and just put them over your eyes gently. We'll just send a little bit of prana or life force energy into our eyes. We look at so many computer screens these days. We're very stimulated visually. So give our eyes a little bit of love and then slowly, gently open your eyes. And you can remove your hands. So that's just a basic start to mindfulness. And we start with, awareness of our breath and awareness of our body, feeling our body. And that brings us into the present moment. Our body is always here and now, unlike the mind, which can be anywhere it wants to be. And when we start with breath and body awareness, we can use that as our anchor as we go through our everyday life. It becomes a practice in any situation where if we find ourselves getting anxious or agitated or triggered, um, we can practice coming back to our breath and coming back to our body to become more present and uh, at ease in the world. Well, thank you for that, Ross. That was um, a great experience. Um, just tying in the, the, the sadness of the breath with, with, our, with my body, you know, and feeling sort of the, the run of the spinal cord from the top of the, the head of the, the, the crown chakra down to the root. Very interesting. You know, I, I do meditate and I've tried different approaches over the years 
but never one that's kind of integrated sort of more of the the body sensations and um with, with the breath or the body awareness with the breath so uh, thank you for that that's you're welcome um, that's great and great for our audience to maybe sit down and, and experience a little bit of mindfulness uh, yes. themselves wonderful just want to move on um okay. you know stress is almost the the opposite of what we're talking about here um, <laughs> and it basically runs our life as we are just taken from one thing to the next from the moment that we are that we get up in the morning to the time that we put our head back on the pillow at night what would some advice be for for our audience and and how to break up that stressful experience in the day that would maybe help them ground back into their bodies and their breath what something that we could do that's very simple it doesn't take much time, but just starts this more of mindfulness um, practice. Yeah, giving yourself permission to stop for just one moment. For, for most of us, when we're in the race, when we're in the rush, uh, when we're feeling anxious, when we're feeling stressed, the last thing that we are willing to give ourselves permission to do is to stop. Because it actually feels like if we stop, uh, everything's going to fall apart. It's just not possible. And it's a paradox. I know from experience myself, and I know from working with people and seeing it work in their lives that paradoxically in that moment where you feel you have the least time and opportunity to slow down, that is exactly the moment when it's going to be the most useful to you and everybody around you. So working with that paradox and trying it on for size, when you're at the height of your stress, if that can be your cue, it's actually a gift because when you feel stress the most, there's no denying that it's there. So get out of denial and give yourself permission. Say, I'm really stressed right now. I can feel it in my body. My mind's racing. My breath is short and shallow. I'm going to give myself permission to stop right now for just a moment and take three breaths. So many teachers teach this, take stop and take three conscious breaths. And it's, it's absolutely true. If you can do that, you know, 10 to 30 seconds to start with. Stop, literally stop, put your phone down, turn your computer screen off or turn your chair the other way. Stop the car, pull it over to the side of the road safely, put your hazards on. You know, if you're, if you're running through the street, stop, sit on a bench or just step to the side of the sidewalk. Take one full deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth and then another and then another. Look around you, feel your feet on the earth, feel your root in your crown, feel your heart center, and then go back to what you're doing. The world will not collapse in on itself, I guarantee it. And you'll be of greater benefit. You'll have clear mind for doing whatever you need to do you'll be more efficient and more effective in your work. And there you go. That's a stepping stone out of the, the stressful situation or crazy situation we often find ourselves in into more of a mindful practice right there. Mm -hmm. Three breaths and slow right down. And as you said, the world will not stop. <laughs> <laughs> Despite what our mind may think. Yeah, um, yeah I, I like that. I'm going to practice that today. I'm going to do it awesome. at least three times in my day. I'm going to stop and I'm going to breathe for three breaths. Not just one, but three breaths. Yeah, yeah. Because most people will go, okay, I'm doing it. And they do one and then they get distracted again. No, we'll push through and do all three.
<laughs> oh, reach the go go for the limit here. Three breaths. Excellent. Love it. Okay, so you know, um, I know recently you've moved locations and uh, you're now in Gibsons in BC. You love that location. Um, so just tell us what is your next biggest challenge in your field of um, healing and helping people get to that more um, healthy place in their life? My next biggest challenge. Um, it seems that challenges and obstacles are always the inner ones. So I think for me, it's just the discipline to continue deepening my commitment to my own practice, because that's really the, the keystone or the, the foundation for uh, helping others. So continuing to take even better care of myself, to be even more committed to my own practice and my own well-being. And what I've seen over and over again in my life and with others is that from that place, my capacity to serve and help is expanded exponentially. Um, on a more sort of practical external level, I'm, I've just launched my website and I'm offering more online sessions. So that's sort of a, 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 another offering and another challenge or endeavor. Um, and I'm starting to offer yogic lifestyle immersions. So this, I've got this beautiful, small, humble, but beautiful space in Gibsons, BC on the Sunshine Coast. And I'm inviting people to come and stay for three nights. I've got a holistic nutritionist preparing food. And you, they basically get to experience what is the yogic lifestyle in this modern world? What does that look like? How can I immerse myself in that? And then take these tools and, and skills back and start implementing them in my own life. So we'll practice together, we'll eat healthy food, we'll connect with nature, we'll do one-on-one -on -one sessions to zone in and reconnect with ourselves and our purpose and uh, make some shifts in one's inner life and outer life. So those are kind of the two new offerings and challenges in my world, as well as we've got the next Archaia uh, teacher training coming up. So I'm continuing my deepening and learning with my teacher, Yogacharini Maitre, and assisting her with training new teachers. Okay, so what would you like to share that I haven't already asked you? With every person that I've worked with and seen, through the whole range and spectrum of challenges and goals that they face, the biggest common thread is getting people to slow down and take care of themselves to love, to truly love themselves and tune into what their body is telling them and all these cues that life is throwing at them, basically screaming at them to slow down. So I would say, please, everybody, take the time to slow down, take care of yourself, really figure out what it means to love and honor and care for yourself and trust that that is the foundation for a truly successful life, both internally and externally. So don't get don't get fooled into thinking that external achievement is true success. Full spectrum success comes from slowing down and really tuning in and taking care of ourselves. Okay, thank you for that. That's uh, wonderful advice. Very wise. And um, finally, where could our audience go to learn more about you? You know, you mentioned your website. What is that website? It's 
www.rossmckeechee.com, R-O-S-S-M-C-K-E-A-C-H-I-E.com, rossmckeechee.com. And if they want to learn about Archaea, they can go to www.archaea.net, A-R-K-A-Y-A.net. Okay, simple um, websites there for our audience to learn more about you and the services and, and for them to go deeper into their healing journey. So listen, thank you, Ross. It's been fantastic. Thank you for the personal experience today um, of going through a, a breathing mindfulness meditation and also um, you know educating us about the services and the stories and how it all comes back to, at the end of the day, is our moment-to-moment experience and how we yeah. can change one little step at a time. So it doesn't matter where we are in the journey, you know, we can make small steps towards healing ourselves and thus healing our families, our communities, and our planet. And uh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well said, Wayne. Thanks so much for having me. Welcome to the Pain Solutions Podcast. Dr. Wayne Fimister is a family physician with a special interest in chronic pain whose passion is finding solutions for this epidemic problem facing one-third of the adult population. He is a clinical associate professor at the University of British Columbia in Canada and has developed one of the first online medical trigger point injection courses for doctors and nurse practitioners, a technique that is easily learnt and implemented into the medical office of any doctor or nurse practitioner treating chronic pain. To get free access to Pain Solutions newsletter, blogs, and to register for his online course, simply register at www.waynefimister.com. On the podcast, Dr. Wayne brings together experts from various segments to share with you how they solve people's pain problems and how you can get this treatment too. And now, here's your host, Dr. Wayne Fimister.